Hey, what's up there, Salem Fields? I'm your host, Pastor Jason. We're so excited that you decided to join us for worship um, this weekend. Um, we hope that you had a great week this past week and um, have enjoyed the little bit of the cooler temperatures out there. Um, we're super excited to continue our series, uh, The Blueprints of Belonging, as we kind of continue on that journey with uh, Pastor James. As we're kind of going through over the next few weeks um, the uh, Sermon on the Mount with Jesus and what he meant there. So if you wanted to read up on that, you can follow along um, by going ahead and reading uh, in the book of Matthew chapters uh, 5 through 7 and um, that will kind of go along with our series that we're kind of in right now. You know we've got a lot of great things that are happening at Salem Fields. We want to make sure that you're staying connected. One way you can stay connected is by filling out that connection card each and every week. It's a great way for you to uh, to let us know how we can best serve you as your staff here. So you can go to that by going to salemfields.com slash contact and that's a great way to fill out that connection card let us know how we can be praying and, and, uh, and serving you. Hey we've got a lot of things going on as well outside of the building um, we've got our sunset paddle it's back on this coming up friday on september um, the 18th we're excited about that it's going to be meeting down at the city docks at 6 p.m if you want more information about that email chris at salemfields.com and then saturday on the 19th of september we're having a family connect fishing derby this is a great way to get you and families back together we're going to gather around the pond there at the church um, you can email Rini at salem fields for more information about that but we're going to have two times hopefully for younger kids to come out on Saturday morning between 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. And then we're going to have our students and high school students hopefully gather around 5 to 7 p.m. on Saturday, September 19th. And then, you know, we believe in prayer at Salem Fields. We believe it's a powerful way to connect with God, to kind of petition for uh, God's blessings on a lot of different things, as well as our own needs. And so we're going to have a prayer fire event on uh, September 25th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. This is just a time for you to come at uh, at your own leisure and to stay as long as you'd like. Um, we're going to have a time of guided prayer. And if you want more information about that, email kelly at salemfields.com. You know, we're so pumped about everything that's going on at Salem Fields. We're excited about worship today. So we hope that you're in a comfortable spot. Maybe you've already clicked on Facebook and invited other friends to watch the watch parties or come online with us. So we want to make sure you're doing that. Um, as well as, you know, we just want to make sure you also are aware that after uh, our Sunday services um, that we have our uh, student time and our children's time at 1020 is our children and at 1035 is our students at um, salemfields.com slash live. We want to make sure you're staying connected. We're super pumped about what's going on. So let's just go ahead, set aside all the distractions, and let's just put it out our praise and sing it up to God today. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you get a lot uh, from this message today. And make sure you're stick, staying tuned for after the service for a few more special announcements. And um, God bless. We waited for this day. We gathered in your name. Calling out to you, your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the
God of 
Hey, thank you so much, worship team. You do such a great job each and every week by uh, putting out this music and, uh, and the, this production, being able to sing praises to God and leading us each week. Um, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am as we continue to praise God. You know, we're going to continue to praise God and uh, we can uh, put God first in all things by um, honoring him with our uh, blessing of our uh, tithes and offerings today. You know, tithes and offerings are just a, a way that we continue to put God first. The, but you know, I don't want you to feel forced or um, that you have to give because God doesn't honor that. God honors a cheerful giver. It says in Second Corinthians um, that he talks about this. He says that God is able to make grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things and all times, that you may have um, abound in every good work. And that comes from the times when we give cheerfully. And God wants us to cheerfully give. And there's a lot of ways you can give today by um, going to the online or hitting the Give tab at the top of the screen or just going to the text uh, number on your screen right now to give in your tithes and offerings. But, you know, let's just go ahead. And I want to also go to a time of prayer right now to pray for our service and pray for um, our nation. You know, this weekend um, was that time of remembrance that we'll never forget um, this Friday, this past Friday, 19 years ago, when um, we were all affected by the tragedy of 9-11. You know, I know Salem Fields um, was affected uh, personally when we um, lost one of our own members, Eddie Roanhorst, and we'll never forget him. He was one of our great children's workers, and he was working in the Pentagon um, on that, that day. And so we'll, um, we will take a moment just to uh, reflect right now. We'll have a moment of silence right now to remember those um, that had fallen. You know, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I lift up this time, this worship to you, Lord. We're so grateful that we live in a country where we can come together and worship freely. Um, Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us during this time. Lord, I pray that you're with our nation right now, Lord, and pray again as we don't um, forget all that happened there on that uh fateful day 19 years ago, Lord, on September 11th, Father, that um, that you would just continue to be with the families and those that were impacted by that, Lord. Um, so many great people lost at that, and Lord, so I just pray with the families and bring comfort to that. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of worship. We ask that you're with Pastor James as he delivers the message and allow our hearts to be open to what it is that you have for us today. God, we give you all the praise and glory for what's going to take place in this time and in this place. Amen. Let us continue to worship.
Hey there, Salem Fielders, how are you today? Today we continue this series that we've been in called Blueprints for a Belonging Community. And we've been talking about and we're talking about the Sermon on the Mountain. And today we, we start with this introduction to the sermon. Have you ever been in a situation where your life was just messed up? Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you're going through, your life is not what, it, what you want it to be and things are not going as smoothly as you had thought they would go and, and maybe your life is messed up because you have done something, you've made a decision and you're suffering the consequences of your decision or maybe someone has done something to you and now you are dealing with the consequences of their decisions have you ever been messed up? I, I'm a person in my life where I've been messed up. I've been in a place in my life where things weren't firing on all the cylinders. And because of some choices I made and some choices that people made for me, I was in a messed up situation. I remember it. I remember sitting on my carpet in, a, in an apartment that was getting ready, I was getting ready to be kicked out of with my car repossessed, my job lost, and in a drunken stupor thinking to myself, my life is messed up. Well, if you've ever been there, or if you're there right now, maybe you are in a place where you're watching this or you're listening to this and your life is just messed up. I have good news for you today because the title of this talk that we're going to do, this message that we're going to do today is messed up equals blessed up. So let me just kind of tell you, give you the memory verse for the day. We want you to be thinking about this and memorizing this verse. Here's the verse from Matthew 5, 3, and I'm reading it from the message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there's more for God and his rule. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, and for the next, for the next few moments, we're going to put everything aside. We're going to focus our attention on you. We're going to forget about what's cooking. We're going to forget about what we're going to do later in the day. And Father, we want to just open ourselves up to you. We want to hear from your Holy Spirit. We want to learn the lesson that you're trying to teach us in these moments. And Father, for what you do, we will be eternally grateful. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. H have you ever heard words or do you resonate with words like this? Loser, zero, lame, scum, low life, ostracized, forsaken, betrayed, broken, lonely, hurting, worthless, victim, or messed up. I bet hearing and, and seeing those words just blessed your socks off, didn't it? I mean, I, I, I wonder, I, I bet that you could have gone the whole day without seeing that list and you would have been just fine because they aren't happy words, are they? In fact, uh, uh, I, I bet you don't like a lot of those words, but I also bet that there have been times in your journey where you've resonated with some of those words. None of us wants to be labeled a zero or a loser. I mean, we wouldn't get too excited about being betrayed or ostracized either. And I don't know about you, I don't like being lonely so the reality of the crowd that gathered that day with Jesus, that, that crowd that came up with him on a hill as he began to speak, 
The reality of that crowd is this. That some of that crowd resonated with those words. Some of, those, some of that crowd felt right at home with the words that, that I just mentioned. And maybe you do too. Maybe because you've blown it in life or because someone else blew it for you. But, but, but either way, some of us resonate with the words it, it could be that things are hard at home or, or really hard at work or, or you didn't get the promotion that you thought you were going to get. Or, or maybe the money that you thought that was going to take care of your bills isn't stretching the way you thought it would stretch. And, and maybe because of those things, you're constantly reminded. You're constantly hearing those words in your ears. Some of us here may just have words like these as part of our daily lives we all feel misunderstood every now and then, but, but some of us have painfully dealt with these words all of our lives, and we've been reminded even in the last week that somehow we don't measure up. We've been misunderstood wrongly or rightly. And maybe you just kind of live in this constant fog of, of brokenness and betrayal and worthlessness. If you find yourself in those circumstances, in the circumstances that I've just mentioned, and you seem to be living with a perpetual feeling that, that, word, that the words that I described above are all about you, I have some good news for you today. Messed up equals blessed up. So when Jesus was putting together these blueprints for a belonging com a community, as he was putting together these blueprints and that he was laying out before the crowd that day, what he was doing is he was talking about a new type of existence. He was saying there was a new paradigm was beginning, that there was a new kingdom that was being established where, where the folks who were out would be in and the folks who were up would be down. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. Messed up. Those who seem socially awkward, those who seem backwards or uncool and, and don't have a, a with-it bone in their body are in with God. The nerds, the, the geeks, the irritating, the passive, the obsessive, the aggressive, the victim, the controller. Have I described you yet? All are loved by God and offered his grace, his unmerited favor. Don't believe me? Listen to what Jesus said in this preamble, the Beatitudes, the preamble to the blueprints of a belonging community. Listen to what he says. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment that you will find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, he's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind, your heart put right. Then God, you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. That's when you'll discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, not only that, but count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. Now, let me, let me stop here for a second. That's not when they say things because you're being a jerk. This is when they say things to discredit Jesus, okay? What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when it happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds and know that you are in good company my prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. 
So this preamble to the blueprints for a belonging community, the message on the mount, what we call the Beatitudes, is the Magna Carta for messed up people. What else would you expect from Jesus? Simply put, they are hope for the hopeless, messed up people. In order for us to wrap our minds around this idea, we have got to re-examine the way that we think about the Beatitudes. We have to re-examine a new revolutionary view of the Beatitudes. We've got to re-examine Jesus' radical words to his followers then and now. Maybe like you're like me, and you heard that the beatitude, you heard the Beatitudes taught as virtues that we should strive, that we strive to get inside of our lives. It goes something like this: since the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we should try to be poor in spirit. Or since the meek will inherit the earth, we should try and practice more gentleness in our lives. The Beatitudes, the preamble to, the, to, to these, belong, these blueprints of belonging, is usually taught as since and then propositions. Since the poor in spirit and the meek people inherit the kingdom of God in the earth, then I got to be more like them to get what they've got. Let me suggest that though it's not a bad thing to be meek and though it's not a bad thing to be gentle and though it's not a bad thing to, to teach people how to cooperate and get along, the Beatitudes does not exist. It's not a text just about this idea uh, of uh, this, this sense of sense then proposition that idea does not do the text justice. It misses the point altogether. Now, don't stone me yet. I know I'm talking about some radical ideas of the Beatitudes here, but don't stone me just yet. Stay with me and listen to Luke's version of the same text. Luke in Luke 6 says this, Then he spoke, You're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. You're blessed when you're ravishly hungry. Then you're ready for a messianic meal. You're blessed when the tears flow freely. Joy comes in the morning. Count yourself blessed every time someone cuts you down, throws you out, every time someone smears or blackens your name to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that person is uncomfortable. You can be glad when it happens. Skip like a lamb if you like, for even though they don't like it I do and all heaven applause and know that you're in good company my preachers and witnesses have always been treated like this see the beatitudes are not some list of virtues to cultivate but a description of unlikely people who are recipients of God's grace so the people on the hill that day would have been some people who were left out and looked over there would have been some losers there, some jerks there. There would have been some obsessives there. And he's saying, we're not asking you to become obsessive and become a jerk and become a loser. What we're saying is that God's grace is available to you. Scholar Dallas Willard expressed this way. The Beatitudes in particular are not teachings on how to be blessed. They are not instructions to do anything. They don't indicate conditions that are pleasing to God or good for human beings. No one is actually being told that they are better off for being poor or mourning or being persecuted and so on, or that the conditions listed are recommended, recommended, for the well-being before God or man. They are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship with Jesus. They single out cases that provide, that provide proof that in him, the rule of God from heaven truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond hope. The Beatitudes are a celebration of grace, a celebration of grace for people who don't seem to have much to celebrate. Here's what Jesus' message that he's really saying. You, you might be overlooked on earth, but you're at the top of God's party list. 
See, on earth we have this way of segmenting people and, and segmenting situations. And we have this way of saying that if you're rich, then obviously God is with you. But if you're poor, God is not with you. We have this way of saying if you're smart, God is with you. Or if you're not smart, God is not with you. We have this way of saying if you come from this family, you're good. If you come from this family, you're not so good. And what Jesus was saying, oh, that's not the way it is. So Jesus calls for this great reversal, the looked over, the left out are exalted, not because they try somehow to get looked over or left out, but simply because they are who they are. The unlikely received was often thought of in our world as reserved for those people on the top of the heap. The folks who got it all together. In other words, the folks who deserve it, it's a great reversal because Jesus came to right side up the world. He came to right side up the world. Jesus loves this theme of setting the world right. He spent a great deal of time teaching and living out what it means to be involved in a right sizing the world. Listen to what he says. A man arrogantly takes a seat of honor at a party and then is asked to move to the back of the room, the right sides up world. A king invites lowlifes of his kingdom to a party because the invited guests turned him down. A right side up world. A, a, a person who's considered kind of to be a person who is outside of the kingdom, a person that's ostracized, a good for nothing Samaritan is a hero why the great religious leaders of the day played a part of the villain in the story of the good Samaritan, a right side up world. Well, well, now let's examine some real life examples from Jesus's life. Jesus hangs out with the broken, the deformed, and the discarded of the world, a right side up world. Jesus honor a woman in a culture of female degradation, a right side up world. Jesus makes a group of children models for wisdom for arrogant adults, a right side up world. You see, the preamble to the blueprints of a belonging community, the Beatitudes, isn't about conditions to be met so that we can appear holy, but statements of grace for a graceless world, either because of their circumstances or because of the overall condition. In light of all of this, what if we right-sided our thinking about the Beatitude in a number of different ways? I'll be back and share a little, th a little bit about that with you.
So the preamble to the blueprints for a belonging community, the Beatitudes, three things I want you to remember about this. That let's consider them good news, messed up people or blessed up receivers of God's grace. Let's, let's consider them something to accept grace and the realities of life. And then let's consider them a kingdom challenge. We've already talked about this idea uh, uh, that the preamble to the, to, to the blueprints for a belonging community is good news for messed up people. The second idea is, is that the preamble to the blueprints to, to a belonging community are something to accept grace. So what exactly do these people in unfortunate situations receive? The word Jesus used to describe them in the Greek word is the Greek word makario. Which, common, which was most commonly translated as blessed. More than likely, the word used in your translation, that's, that's more than likely the word used in your translation. However, the word has become so layered with kind of religious emotion that it's lost some of its straightforward quality. Some translations have chosen the word happy as a more basic translation of the word. The idea here is that the outcast has received something completely out of the blue, something they didn't expect, something that they did not earn, something not deserved through doing good works. It just falls into their lap. And we would say something like this, how lucky that person was. So we've all experienced moments of luck of Macario now and then. Help me out here. I'll describe several moments of luck that we've all experienced. And at the end of each 
you say Mercario. Are you ready? All right. You park your car and you realize you're out of change, but you look up at the parking meter and it has 30 minutes remaining on the parking meter, on the parking meter, excuse me, and you say Mercario. That's right, Mercario. You arrive at your ticketed seat on the plane only to find another person sitting in your seat. And every seat and coach is taken, and the only place for you to sit on the flight is first class, and you say Mercario. Overnight, the, the, it snows six inches on top of the four inches already on the ground and you're dreading you're getting up you look out the window you're dreading getting out and shoveling the uh, snow ahead of you and you peer out the window again and you see your neighbor wheeling his snowblower towards your house and you say Macario <laughs> I know some of us might have the trouble with the word lucky I understand because we believe it cuts out of God out of the equation as if as if good things that come our way are random in origin. However, the word lucky wasn't always used this way. The scholar William Tinsdale translated the Old Testament blessed as holy luck. The word itself is related to a word like fortune or destiny or chance. The idea is that a lucky person has come upon something marvelously that they didn't expect now, this fits into the context of the blueprints, the context of the preamble to the blueprints. Jesus described people who had bad luck, misfortune, and tough times. And Jesus said to them, it's just the opposite of what you've been told. I know you've been told that if, if you had misfortune, if you've had bad luck, if, you're doing, if you've had tough times, I know you've been told that, the, that the, the circumstances are the final word, but I want you to know that your circumstances are not the final word because of grace. How fortunate you really are because God sees and loves you in the midst of your brokenness because of grace. And even if you're today, if you're in a tough spot, if you're going through a tough time, if you're a broken person, if you're an unlucky person, if, you, if, if you're at the end of your rope and there's no hope and you're just holding on, can I say to you today, grace is available to you. And it has nothing to do with, with, with what you have to bring to the table. It has nothing to do with your hard work. It has nothing to do with your rightness. No, 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 no. Grace is available for you today because messed up people are blessed up. So second thing, let's consider it something to accept the realities of life, something to accept. Is there something here for us to develop Instead of using the idea of development, what if we said it this way? Jesus uses the unfortunate to show us something about how life works. The left out, the looked over, are forced to live in ways most are not. Life comes at us fast. Life comes at us fast. And the left out and looked over can show us ways to embrace life if we're willing. They can give us some uh, look a bird's eye view of how life comes fast. And, and, and Wesley used to say, there but for the grace of God go I. And he would look at people, and he, this great theologian, this great writer would look at people who were in, in tough situations. Who would, he would look at people who were maybe drunks or, or alcoholics, and he would say, there but for the grace of God go I. And the good news was Wesley knew that God's grace could enter into that situation, and he could change that whole situation Jesus is inviting people. Jesus is inviting people. Here's the second shift. Jesus is inviting people to try hard. He isn't inviting people to try hard to become something, to appear some way, to modify their behavior. He wasn't trying to suggest something for people to do. He was inviting them to accept something that's already done. So this second shift the second shift is, this is not about you becoming something so that you can get on this favor, you doing something. This is not about you appearing in a certain way or, or changing yourself or distorting yourself to appear a certain way. No, no, no. Jesus is saying this grace is available already. God's grace is in the world for the taking. Not only are we invited through Jesus, 
to accept God's grace, we're invited to accept the reality of how things work in life. The descriptions in the Beatitudes not only describe people in tough situations, but they describe the general flow of life. God causes the rain to pour on the righteous and the unrighteous. God causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And we go through things. I don't know where we got this idea that once we became Christians that it was going to be pie in the sky by and by. But here's a reality. The reality is, is God will allow you to go through some things to build your character. God will allow you to go through some things to change you. What did Paul say? He gave me a thorn in the flesh and I asked them three times to remove it. And then, and then I began to realize, and I heard from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. The description of the Beatitudes, this preamble to the blueprints of belonging community, not only describes people in tough situations, but the flow of life. It's as if people described in this teaching help us see that the things that often do, that we often do to impress others and God are a joke, a farce, even dangerous. Things like grabbing, things like controlling, things like obsessing, things like manipulation, things like getting. And so we begin to understand that this is the flow of life. And so when something happens to you, maybe the next time, instead of saying, God, why is this happening to me? Maybe the question becomes, God, what are you trying to do? God, what are you doing in me? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? I love Job. I love the story of Job. He's one of my favorite Bible characters because Job is, all oh, hell is breaking loose on his life. He's lost his money. He's lost his children. He's lost his house, his cattle, and everything like that, and and and. And Job has some questions, but his questions drive him to his knees. They drive him to his knees in worship. And he's able to say, naked I came into the world, and naked I will leave. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next time you're going through and there will be a next time because as, as, a, as, a, as a great preacher has said many times, either there are, there's rain and a storm in your life right now or you just got out of a storm or the storm clouds are on the horizon. We all go through storms, but as, as, instead of seeing them as, as punishment, instead of seeing them as, as something to ruin us, what if we saw them as something to better us, something to build our characters? Something that would allow God's strength to be made perfect in our lives. And the last statement is this, that, that the preamble, the preamble to the blueprints to a belonging community, the Beatitudes are a kingdom social challenge. So, so we need to shift our thinking that, that these aren't just slogans for self-help to mirror that reflect our social interaction. Jesus, th th these are things that God is challenging us, challenge us to make a difference. Here's what Jesus said. He said he came to preach the message of good news to the poor, to announce the pardon of prisoners and the recovery of the sight to blind, to set the burden and the battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. And then he went on to say, you want to know what the kingdom is about? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead arise, and the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Remember, this is a situation where John, John, his cousin, John, the forebearer, John, the person who goes before Jesus, John, the person that says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John, who baptized Jesus, is now sitting in jail and he's getting ready to be beheaded. And he starts to second guess whether Jesus is even the Messiah. And, and he sends word. He sends word to Jesus and, and to his disciples trying to figure out what's going on and, and Jesus sends a message back to them and, and, and he says in the message tell John the blind see, the lame walk the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead is raised 
And the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Tell John to, to not be concerned. Tell John the kingdom is going forward. Tell John the message is, is going forward. Tell John the grace, my grace is going forward, is spreading out. See, Jesus came with a mission. He wanted those of us who were messed up to know and understand by responding to his grace, we get what we don't deserve, a relationship with him, and not what we do deserve, eternal separation from him. As followers of God, of a God who hangs out with the left out, the lonely, as follower of a God who throws parties for messed up people, how should we respond How should we respond to those people all around us? How does our social interaction, how are they shaped by the preamble to the blueprints of a belonging community? So I'm sitting in Starbucks one day, and I'm working on a message. And, and, I've been, and, and, and I'm working on this idea of messed up and blessed up, right? I'm working on that, and, and I, I'm, I'm learning, and I, I'm, I'm reading them, and I'm, I'm understanding what God is saying and, and this new way of looking at things. And this 20-something uh, this young lady comes into Starbucks, and she walks in to get a coffee, and, and she sits right next to me, right? And, and, you know, I don't really want anybody sitting next to me. And so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to study, and she sits next to me, and she's on her phone. And instead of having earphones on or whatever, she takes her phone and she puts it on speakerphone, and she's having a loud conversation right next to me so that I can't even concentrate. Now, if that's not enough, she's yelling at her ex-husband who isn't doing what he's supposed to do. I mean, she's dropping the F-bomb, and, and she's having this full-blown conversation, and it's driving me crazy. So I, I go into my backpack, and I get my earphones out, and I, and I put them on the, I put my counseling earpods in. <laughs> so I don't have to hear her. And then I, I hear God's voice speaking to me internally. Right? You've been there. We've all been there. And he says this, James, she's way up on my guest list for my party. She's blessed, James. I love her. What about you? Dagger. Dagger. See, this brings me to another important part about this preamble this preamble to the blueprints for a belonging community. Not only are these statements of grace for losers, but our newly understood view of it compels us to ask the question, how do I treat the left out, the looks, looked over, the laughed out, the rude, obnoxious people in my world? There's another part of this, uh, this Starbucks story, right? Because... Um, because outside of the Starbucks, there's these guys. Um, and and they, they're there every day, mostly every day. And they're, they're out there and uh, they kind of oogle at ladies that come by. And, and they just seem to spend their time smoking their lives away. I call them Starbucks rats. And in my own messed up thinking, I think, well, no jobs. No families, no worries. I think, get a life. And then God nudges me again and says, James, their names are even higher on my invite list than yours. And that's when it hits me. The preamble to the blueprints for a belonging community, the Beatitudes, show us that since God extends grace and love to losers, and left out and looked over and laughed at people, the irritants, I should be doing likewise, showing the same compassion and grace. And so the next time you hear the Beatitudes, or even as you're studying them and we're doing our homework and studying them, stop seeing them as if-then kind of propositions and start seeing them 
as this offer of grace, this, this thing that we can accept, that, that there, there's this description of, of grace that has been poured upon messed up people. And matter of way, can I say to you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening to this message or seeing it, you are messed up. You say, James, James, I was messed up. No, 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 no. You are messed up. Because we're not comparing ourselves to people around us. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're messed up people. And this preamble, this preamble, the Magna Carta of the blueprints for a belonging community says we get God's grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are recipients of your grace. And, and Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we don't need to just contort ourselves or make ourselves something to receive. We already are. And you just say, there's grace available for you. Your circumstances don't define you. There's grace available. What someone did to you or the bad choice that you made doesn't define you. It doesn't have to ultimately define you. There's grace available. And so these are things that, that we can, can we be graced with, this thing that we can receive. That, that they teach us about how life works, that it rains and, and the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. And they move us to experience our community, people all around us in different ways, to, to give them the same grace, to see them with the same grace that God sees us. Maybe today you're messed up. You're in a tough spot. And you say, James, I have no hope. And we exist as a community of faith to bring hope to those who have no hope. And so today we would say to you, God has grace for you that's available through your faith. And so if you're like that today, if you don't have a relationship with the one who brings hope, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to talk about these beatitudes, you can pray a prayer that works like this. God, I need that grace. I need that hope. And I'm believing on you to provide that in my life as I believe on you, as I trust in you, as I have faith in your ability to bring hope and grace and love into my life. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. If you prayed a prayer like that, we want to know about it. Get in contact with us at info at calvary at or, 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 or basically uh, say something on the chat. Or you can, you can email me at james at salemfields.com. I would love to talk with you. Our staff would love to talk to you. Or go to care at salemfields.com. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pour into you in amazing ways. And if you're a person who's a belonger, would you receive a new way of looking at this passage of Scripture? And would you let it change you? God, we know you were speaking. Our lives were open. Now, Father, help us to walk out what we've learned. In your name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Love you guys. I cast my mind to Calvary with Jesus' blood and died for me, I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. 
Thank you for joining us for uh, worship this weekend. We hope that you uh, were able to take something away from uh, Pastor James' message that God was speaking to you about. We want to make sure you're uh, staying connected. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can stay connected and feel like you're part of belonging here at Salem Fields. And one way is by being involved in a small group. Whether you're in the area, Fredericksburg area, or you're maybe in another state, you can be a part of small groups at Salem Fields. If you want more information about that, email us at smallgroups.salemfields.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get you plugged into maybe an in-person small group or a digital meetup somewhere um, that happens throughout the week. Um, we've got a lot of opportunities for you. That's a great way to feel like belonging and that you're connecting here. And um, another great great way is if you're uh, kind of out there and you're maybe going through a hard time, not even knowing, um, just caught up on some difficult uh, situations in life, we have um, Celebrate Recovery that happens every Thursday night at 7 p.m. We'd love for you to be a part of that. You can email us at info at salemfields.com if you'd like more information about that. Then we also have throughout our week, um, we have different activities that take place on our social media pages. We have our deeper dive every Monday at 2 p.m. Um, be able to check that out on Facebook. And um, also then we have our journey takeovers that take place on our Tuesdays. And then um, Friday, we have our morning prayer every Friday morning. And you can find out more information about that by going to SalemFields.com and looking at the events and stuff that we have going on there. We hope that you have a great week. We hope that God blesses you this week. And um, again, we're looking forward to seeing you back next week to worship with you. God bless you all and have a great week.